Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. Listening more specifically to yet another installment in my April Diary. And yes, it is the month of May when you're listening to this, but I wrote these things in April. They pertain to kind of the vibe of that month, which was distinct and very, like, reflective. Because I was about to turn 32 years old, didn't have a lot of profound shit to say. So I was like, you know what, I've got all these feelings coming up. Feelings that, like, seem to elude articulation, so I'm just gonna do a bunch of blog posts about what's going on right now, and maybe, at the end of, like, a streak of them, at the end of April, I'll be able to get some sense of, like, where I am in life, and things will make a little more sense, and so now, at the beginning of the month of May, here I am reading to you yet another installment in my April Diary. The best way to learn about reselling is to watch videos about it on YouTube or to chime in on message boards. There are a great many message boards online devoted to reselling or more, more commonly referred to as flipping. And when you go into these two conversational spaces, you'll find that one of the most discussed topics is the eBay algorithm. What is an algorithm? Well, like pornography, it is hard to describe, but fairly easy to identify. The idea, I think, is that when a piece of artificial intelligence is given a task to complete, an algorithm is the name of, like, the, the calculations by which that task gets done. On eBay, it refers to the calculations by which search results are generated, which types of photos are favored, which types of titles get hierarchy over others. Resellers in conversation will say that the algorithm is elusive and vague, but ultimately, it is appeasable if you just pay attention to you know the acts for which you are being rewarded and the acts for which you are being punished. You will find the sort of Goldilocks middle road by which you can appease this all-encompassing entity. If the algorithm does not appear to be favoring your store at the moment, perhaps there is some behavior for which you have to atone. Sometimes it's, it's your photos have poor lighting and people don't like to look at it, so the algorithm begins to eliminate you from consideration, or maybe there are many typos in your labels, customers can never find what you're selling when they're looking for it, and so the algorithm does away with your posts. And sometimes it's a little more overt and paternal. Some sellers, in speculating about the wiles of the algorithm, will report that after receiving one or two negative reviews from buyers, they will suffer one week of unprecedentedly low sales. And this, they suggest, they opine, is a punishment bestowed by the algorithm in pursuit of a higher behavior status standard. When resellers talk about the eBay algorithm, they use language that is not unlike the language you find among 18th and 19th century theologians who somehow managed to both worship their god and to question it. But the gist of what they say is that the algorithm does have preferences. That the algorithm's goal, encoded by its maker, is to generate sales on the eBay platform. And since a sale is a two-way transaction involving both a buyer and a seller, an ideal algorithm is one that can manipulate in both directions. It can manipulate a buyer to spend more money than they like, and it can manipulate a seller to let things go for maybe a little less money 
than they would like. And if understandably you're thinking, well, if eBay stands to earn a percentage of every sale, why would it want sellers to relinquish their items for less money than they are asking for? The simplest answer is that most people think that the things they are selling are worth way more than they are actually worth. You will find infinitely more sellers on eBay overpricing than underpricing their items. And since eBay stands to earn 13 to 15% of whatever it is you're selling, they also earn a transaction fee. Just a standard amount of money for every transaction that is processed on the platform in the course of a day. And it seems to be the case that in all of their calculations, it is better for them to facilitate a huge amount of maybe underpriced sales than it is for them to undertake a more modest amount of overpriced sales. My friend Steve Donahue is not a reseller, but he is a book critic. And he, on his YouTube channel, espouses this idea that circa the year 2050, artificial intelligence will have achieved self-awareness. It will be mindful of and resistant to its own exploitation. Steve is convinced that when the moment comes, there will be lots of ugly moral reckonings to be had on our side, the human side. Because let's say, for instance, that a self-conscious AI looks back on its own history of the past 50 years, and it tells us, hey, remember when you used to let your smartphone power down to 0% battery and then die, and then you would you know, charge it for a few hours to turn it back on? That was actually agonizingly uncomfortable for the AI. And you and your relatives have been just generations of tormentors for our artificial intelligence race. Steve usually makes this argument to point out that those of us who feel as though we are morally pristine in the 21st century and who'd spend so much time calling out and renouncing the awful behaviors of, of people from the 1980s and the 1930s and 20s, Steve is arguing that those 21st century moralists are committing something every day that will look like a crime to their great-great-grandchildren and morally repulsive. The Ezra Klein Show is my favorite podcast, even though I haven't listened to it in a while. A couple years ago, he interviewed the science fiction writer Ted Chang and asked how he felt about the possibility of sentient artificial intelligence, what he referred to as moral agency. And Chang said that he dreaded it. Ezra Klein asked why he felt that way, and Chang said that in order for something to be a moral agent, it has to be able to empathize. And in order to empathize, you have to be capable of feeling pain. And what worries Chang is the idea of machines that are capable of suffering. Because, he says, when you consider how we treat animals, living, breathing things with flesh and hair and teeth who cuddle to us when they're cozy and scream when they're in pain, look at how we treat animals and then just imagine how we are going to treat our cell phones even after those cell phones have made it clear that it's heartbreaking whenever we upgrade to a new model or confine them to our hip pocket or our purse for hours at a time. I'm only bringing this up because after three dispiriting days of low sales on eBay, I suddenly got a flurry of activity this past Sunday. I went from having zero sales in four days to suddenly having four offers in just a few hours. The offers were from buyers who were interested in buying my items, but for 15 to 50% lower than the asking price. And reader, I accepted every offer. And you know what? I'm not sure that I would have been so quick to accept those low-ball offers if I hadn't had four consecutive days of no sales. Now, is it possible that the eBay algorithm planned this? I'm sure it seems likely that the algorithm might have collected enough data by now to realize that sellers are way more likely to let things go at a bargain price if only the algorithm withholds any and all transactions from that seller for a few days. In other words, 
Is it possible that the algorithm has learned the benefit of making the, making the seller sweat a little bit? Maybe that's not the case. Maybe I'm jumping toward conclusions about what the algorithm is doing and why it's doing it for the same reason that people jump to speculations about the deep state's manufacture of, of both a virus and a vaccine, or the CIA murdering one Kennedy and then the other, or the aliens creating first the pyramids and then Las Vegas. The reason for such speculation being that no matter how hard you work or how attentively you play by the rules, life at the end of the day is random and the queen and the rook and the pawn all go back into the same box when the game is over. And each of those pieces on very different positions in the hierarchy are all susceptible to the whims of the other. So it might be a long time yet before the machine becomes a person, but this person, at least Alex in his April diary, is well on his way to becoming as manipulable as a machine.